Hey there, everybody. Welcome to podcast number five. This is Once Upon a Time in Texas, and I am your host, Mike Mitchell. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Texas is sponsored by me and our company, Miracle Mortgage. You can find me at themichaelmitchell.com for all those home purchasing needs that you may have. So check me out, themichaelmitchell.com. It's also where you can find this podcast on the various different platforms, whatever you like to listen to. So uh, today I've got a real interesting thing. So everybody out there, um, you know, have you heard of cryptids or cryptozoology? Let me let you think about it for a second. So yeah, uh, cryptozoology is kind of something that I've always been interested in, Um I was a science teacher for a while. I taught fifth, sixth, and seventh grade science, but I've always been interested in um, cryptozoology. It's kind of something that always grabbed me. And so basically, let me give you all the definition here. So it is a pseudoscience and subculture that searches for and studies unknown, legendary, or extinct animals whose present existence or survival is disputed or unsubstantiated, particularly those in folklore. So that's really just kind of a long way of saying, basically it's the study and the search for animals that may or may not exist. Um, So it is interesting. It does throw extinct animals in there. So animals that are believed to be extinct, um, And then every now and then you'll kind of get some that pop up and you're like, oh, wait, we thought those were extinct. Um, There's a whole show on it um, on the Discovery Channel, I think. Um, I think it's called Extinct or Not. And anyway, they go looking for it. But anyway, examples of uh, so cryptozoology is this pseudoscience and then cryptids, uh, C-R-Y-P-T-I-D-S are the animals they're looking for. And so a lot of times these, these can also be in uh, legends and folklore too. So some examples are Bigfoot or Bigfoot-like creatures, including, you know, Yeti, Sasquatch, Swamp Ape, uh, even the, the Yahoo, I guess, in Australia. It's what they call those. Um, the Loch Ness Monster or Nessie, you know, over in Loch Ness. And so there's also some that come from, uh, or another one that comes from like folklore, the Jersey devil. And then also more recently, which is kind of a newer one, the Chupacabra. So these are questionable animals, whether they really exist or not. Um, you know, it's questionable at best. Um, but those animals that are kind of right there on the edge of myth, lore, legend, extinction, who knows? They're called cryptids. So it's kind of cool. Probably the biggest issue with cryptozoology is, uh, is really being an official science. In that uh, a lot of times it doesn't really follow the scientific method or the scientific process. A lot of these researchers go out and they're kind of, you know, willy nilly at best. So it doesn't really fall into the field of zoology or folklore studies. Um, You know, I know there's a Finding Bigfoot is a show on TV 
And a lot of times they just get a phone call and then boom, off they go. And so I think they're trying to get more scientific about this. But I even heard a comedian recently that was like, he said, you know, it, it's so cool because anybody can be a uh, Bigfoot, you know, research specialist. Um, because, you know, I think his example was, you know, hey, you know, Sasquatches like oranges. And the other person says, really, why? Well, last night there were oranges on our table and now they're gone. Uh, how do you explain that? It's got to be Bigfoot. <laughs> so <clears throat> I just love that he kind of put it into that character you know, character. Although there is a lot of evidence out there that, you know, Bigfoot and Sasquatch could uh, be real. And so uh, the interesting thing is that uh, it, it is a pseudoscience. So it's not like full blown science. And there are some other sciences that kind of fall in a similar category. Um, sometimes they're called metaphysics or other stuff like that. But these other pseudosciences include things like ghost hunting, uh, paranormal investigation, UFOlogy. Um, the hardest part for cryptids is that so many of them lie in folklore and legend, which we're going to get to. We're going to talk about some here in Texas. And so with folklore and legend, a lot of these are passed down, you know, verbally, probably to teach a lesson to youngsters um, or were used to scare people and doing things a certain way. Uh, or there were consequences. Uh, for instance, you know, the story I've heard about the Jersey Devil had to do something with uh, a woman being pregnant. And I don't know, she didn't she didn't pray right or, or whatever. I don't know what it was. But anyway, the baby turned out being this devilish creature and, you know, had wings and hooves and, you know, comes out on the day of its birth, kind of hisses and swipes at everybody and then jumps out the window and runs off. Um, into the woods. And so now we have the Jersey devil, but, and you know, a lot of these myth lore legends, this folklore is passed down for eons without ever having been written down. And so I'll, I'll give you a good instance, a, a good for instance, I guess, um, kind of the folklore and myth. And, and this will come up again later in the podcast. So at our local boy scout camp, um, we had the goat man. And so, Whenever we had a bunch of Cub Scouts out of camp, at least we used to, we don't scare the crap out of our kids now, but uh, we would talk about the goat man. Well, the goat man lived on the Red River, right? Um, but the goat man had hooves for hands. And so he liked to steal or eat, you know, depending on who was telling the story, you know, would steal or eat kids under, you know, 10 years old, which by the way, the cutoff for Boy Scouts, so the older kids is uh, having graduated fifth grade or 11 years old. And, you know, so we just made it 10 years old. So anyway, the, the point being, you know, goat man only came out after, you know, nine or nine 30 or 10 o'clock at night, whatever we decided, I guess. <laughs> and, um, you know, because he had hooves, he couldn't open tents. He couldn't unzip tents. So as long as you young children, are in your tent, in your sleeping bag, by this certain time, you'll be safe from Goatman. Well, it, it was pretty effective, I remember, when I was a younger scout, because you know what? The really young scouts, the Cub Scouts, they all went to bed at the right time, and they would all be quiet in their tents. <laughs> so, so why do I bring all this up? I'm sure you guys are thinking, all right, you know, 
Mike, we've kind of held with you here for whatever, seven or eight minutes. Why do I bring it on up? Well, we don't have a Loch Ness monster here in Texas. Although I've got a few fishing buddies that swear they've latched onto something as big as the Loch Ness, but I think they're just full of crap because they're fishermen. Um, but we do have some cryptids here in the state. So let's talk about a few of them. So first off, and the obvious one is Bigfoot. I mean, who doesn't like Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Yeti, um, you know, whatever you call it. And so there is actually an organization called the Bigfoot um, Research Organization. It could be found at bfro.net. And so if you pull up their website, it's, it's really kind of cool. This guy has been fascinated with it. And you can actually narrow it down by region. He's got class A, class B, class C. Uh, and I couldn't find exactly where the class A, B, or C is, but I believe a class A is like basically had an interaction or got pictures, a bunch of physical evidence. Class B is, you know, like several people saw it, but no physical evidence. And class C is like, eh, it could just be a hoax. Um, but I looked up, um, we don't have any here in Wichita County where I live. I, I live here in Wichita Falls, Texas, but, uh, Wilbarger County is one County over. And there is one that was seen in the spring of 2016. Um, and it classifies it as a class B it's possible activity and a photo, um, attempt around or near home, uh, near Vernon, Texas. And so it's really kind of cool because this goes into a lot of details. So location details, lots of trees, fresh water, wildlife, nearest town, Vernon, Texas, you know, nearest road, 283 North. And the observed says, I live about 10 miles from town. It all started about sunset. Ooh, it was a dark and stormy night. Um, but it started about sunset. There is a freshwater pond with trees around it. It's kind of set back. I can see it from my property. I noticed black spots. I got my binoculars out and what I was seeing wasn't clicking in my brain. I'm still seeing it still today. And so they also noticed that, um, you know, it's still happening now. Uh, I don't think they know about my night vision cameras around my house. Um, he was very interested in going on a Bigfoot find, you know, around the area, but now he's not. And so when he first bought his house, his propane guy um, told him about pictures that were taken, supposedly of a Bigfoot in the area, you know, right there in that area. And then he also notes on there that the, uh, the Red River, which kind of separates Texas and Oklahoma, is only about six miles away. Um, and so the propane person reports that they saw a Bigfoot one time. And it was facing away from him, but it was, you know, <clears throat> on the side of the road kind of at night. So anyway, this uh, B BFRO guy named Gary Christensen does a follow-up investigation, several emails, phone calls. Um, he met with the witness at his home where he's resided for eight years. And all the photos were taken with a basic low-res infrared night vision camera at a fairly long distance. So none were clear. Um, but... Um, it did appear to be man shaped. The likelihood that they were, um, of a human is very remote. He observed nothing that would suggest that they were a hoax. And then he shows one of the better pictures. And so anyway, then he goes on and, and lists a whole bunch of other stuff. But 
the other fascinating thing was I thought, you know, I wonder when the most recent one is. And this is really fascinating. Um, October of 2020. I'm sorry. Let's go to March 2022. This was a class B. This happened in Rusk County around Longview. September of 2021, there was one in Marion County, uh, which is a uh, it's a class B sighting. So it's by uh, Lake of the Pines. But then in October 2020 in Parker County near Weatherford, there was a class A sighting, which they list as daylight sighting on the Brazos River west of Weatherford. So it's really cool. If you guys have a little extra time, you know what? Jump into BFRO, the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization. Sorry. So Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization, BFRO.net. It's it's really pretty interesting. Um, you know, I believe. I, I know that there's stuff out there that, you know, we don't know yet. So uh, there are a lot of bear sightings, you know, that are portrayed with Bigfoot. And I know here out on the Wagner Ranch out around Vernon, um, people saw signs and thought they saw bears for a long time. But everybody went, no, man, bears were bears were hunted out a long time ago. There's none here. Well, now we've got confirmed cases of uh, bears, I believe, out on the Wagner Ranch. But I know for sure um, down in... Um, Oh, down in uh, the Big Bend area. And so it was a big deal. All right, so let's go ahead and jump to our next Texas cryptid. So this was a fun one. This is a fun one to call. It's called the Wampus Cat. So the Wampus Cat comes to us from Cherokee legends, apparently, from from the little bit of research I've done. The Wampus Cat was originally a woman. Mm, This sounds like some folklore coming on. So this woman spied on her husband while wearing lion skin. So I'm kind of sitting here going, are we talking mountain lion? Or, you know, did this Cherokee woman just, you know, mosey over to Africa and pick up some lion skins? I don't know. But anyway, this is this is the way I read it. So I'm going to assume mountain lion since it's Cherokee and here in the United States. So she spied on her husband wearing lion skins and was caught. And because she was caught uh, and shame on her for spying on her forever you know, loyal husband, she was sentenced to wander the earth as a cat forever as her punishment. Ooh, man. But you know, this, this kind of made me think of some things. Why was she spying on him? I don't know. Maybe he was running around with another woman. You never know. Um, and, and why would they punish her? I mean, if she really felt like he was doing something wrong, nefarious, you know, like, you would think, huh, maybe we should talk to her a little bit, but nay, nay, nay. They say, no, no, you shouldn't have been spying on your husband. Shame on you. You're banished to being a cat for the, for the rest of your mortal and immortal life. Anyway, and then I start thinking, uh, <laughs> and this is just my mind, was the husband like, oh my God, I woke up after seeing a large cat-like creature that sort of looked like my wife. And then the other guy says, you know, did it make a sound? And and the husband goes, yeah, it went womp um, right when it hit me on the head. And then the medicine man stares far away, stares off into the future and says, yep, wampus cat. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's funny. I had this whole thing in my head. So however it came to be, so the story was probably developed 
to keep wives from spying on their husbands. You know, if you're going to spy on your husband, bad things can happen. <laughs> you know, uh, anyway, we do have some high school mascots um, in Texas and Oklahoma that are named Wampus Cats. Um, so you have Atoka, Oklahoma, which I used to travel through at least once a year going to a family reunion up at Robbers Cave State Park outside of McAllister. Um, but Itasca, Texas are the Wampus Cats, just to name a couple. And there are a few others around the country. Um, but the whole thing does fall into legend. And uh, this has been uh, perpetuated, interestingly enough, by authors uh, J.K. Rowling. I think it's Rowling, Rowling, I don't remember. They list the Wampus Cat as a source of hair used in magical wands. And then Raul Dahl, or Raul Dahl, um, is one of my daughter's favorite authors in James and the Giant Peach, where a police officer and a fireman in New York City mistake the centipede for a wampus cat. So anyway, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you mistake a centipede for a wampus cat. Seems pretty different, but uh, apparently, so the animal can have either four or six legs. So I don't know. Maybe we're getting into that centipede thing. Sometimes it walks on all four or six. Uh, other times, just on its back legs, it walks upright, and it's said to regenerate or recover quickly from its wounds. So apparently people have shot at wampus cats before, and uh, really all it does is just make them mad. So anyway, I can't find where there have been any actual sightings uh, in Texas. Mostly everything that I found is in Tennessee, but it is listed as one of the top five cryptids in Texas. So this is, this is very strange indeed. So let's go ahead and jump on to uh, another cryptid here. Uh, everybody's favorite, the chupacabra. So I have heard about chupacabras since I was a kid, um, way back when in the 90s. And, and and I was a kid in the 80s and 90s, but really, I mean, my high school formative years were in the 90s. So these um, sightings in, in Texas and all over the southern United States really exploded in the, fa- the fast... Uh, geez, the last 30 years or so. And so I thought it was interesting and I thought, you know what? I'm going to look this up. So here's the story. So pretty much Chupacabra has been around since the 1990s, really in its current form. So yes, that was like 30 years ago. And yes, when I hear 30 years ago, just like probably most people listen to this, I'm thinking like the 1970s. Nope. 30 years ago was the nineties. Sorry, folks. But uh, it's interesting. They were first reported in Puerto Rico in 1995. So the word chupacabra is Spanish and it literally means goat sucker. So basically it's like a vampire um, for goats and I guess other livestock because I did find some other stuff about it and we'll talk about it in a second. So the description of the chupacabra is all over the map. Um, now I know what I've, I've seen, I haven't personally seen a chupacabra, but I've seen pictures and things and videos and, uh, they, they kind of look like just a mangy, nasty looking coyote. Um, but the descriptions from Puerto Rico are reptilian and alien like, uh, to basically a small bear with rows of spines, kind of like a porcupine. Um, and then of course to mostly, you know, what, what I have seen as far as news reports is like a dog or or coyote looking. But uh, anyway, as is usually the case, this stems from something that can't be explained. And so what do we do when we can't explain something? Well, we make stuff up. 
And so in this case, this has to go back to 1975 Puerto Rico near the small town of Mocha, um, where there were a bunch of livestock killings. And they were attributed to El Vampiro de Mocha, the vampire of Mocha. And some even did say, you know what, it could be a satanic cult. But all of the farmers and ranchers that had these livestock that were killed off claimed that the animals had been drained of blood through small holes. Hmm. So then a comedian, and I I couldn't say his name, but he coins the term chupacabra. You know, the goat sucker. And this legend is born. So uh, the fun thing, though, is that several other countries have similar animals or legends, like the Ozark Howler or the uh, Puchins of Chile, the Sigbin of the Philippines, and the Grunches of New Orleans. That was an interesting one. I read a little bit on it. But here in Texas, sightings are apparently... Um, pretty common with one of the most recent. And I I thought this was interesting. When I hear Chupacabra, I think of not just the Southern U S but I think of Southern Texas, you know, um, Brownsville and El Paso, you know, kind of that border country, you know, the Chihuahua desert kind of stuff. But no, in June of 2022, a Chupacabra was reported to have been filmed near the zoo in Amarillo. So this was reported by the Star-Telegram, so it must be absolutely true. But here's the kicker to it. ABC4 News in Amarillo ran a news story on it, so you never know. And apparently it's kind of uh, complete with pictures. So let's jump on the next one. So this is a cryptid, and this is kind of a fun story. The Lake Worth Monster down around Fort Worth. Now, this is a legendary monster said to be in Lake Worth and more specifically at the Fort Worth Nature Center and Refuge just outside of Fort Worth. Hmm, that doesn't sound like a marketing ploy at all, but that's okay. I bought into it. I'm all good. So it's described as part man, part goat. You know, one thing I just noticed, uh, man, goats kind of really get the bad rap. Like they're either getting fed on by the chupacabras, the goat suckers, or, you know, goat man. You know, and now we have the Lake Worth monster, which is part man, part goat, but they don't call him goat man because in this case, it's part man, part goat with scales and long clawed fingers. Ooh, it sounds scary. So, you know, anyway, this is first reported in 1969 by, by several people. Now I I look back and, you know, I wasn't around in the sixties, but I heard about the sixties. So I feel like there might've been some, uh, partaking of the wacky tobacco or something along with this? Maybe not. Um, but so in 1969, it's first reported by several people and the newspapers start running stories about these reported sightings that uh, included the, the Lake Worth monster landing on a man's car after jumping from a tree and another one that threw a car tire at a group of people. So They even ran a photo that was apparently taken by a guy named Alan Plaster and mass hysteria kind of sets in. So the local police finally decide they're going to get involved. They do an investigation. They find nothing. So apparently the goat, the the story of goat man has been going around at these youth camps. So this adds fuel to the fire. So goat man 
Remember, I was one of those that added fuel to the fire to in the 1990s to scare the crap out of the little kids to go to bed because, you know, we were the cool kids. We wanted to stay up later. So anyway, it adds fuel to the fire. So Plaster is later interviewed and says it was a prank, and he states, whatever it was, it wanted to be seen. And, and that's that's interesting. You know, whatever it was, it wanted to be seen. But then all of a sudden... All reports of this monster stopped. So here we go. We've got this mass hysteria. Everybody's seeing it. And reports of the monster stop. Well, it just so happens to coincide with with school starting again (laughs) in the fall. And so it was presumed that all of these were pranks carried out by high school students. Well, in 2005, a Fort Worth newspaper receives an anonymous letter stating um, that the person who sent the letter was one of three high school classmates that would go to Lake Worth and scare people with a tinfoil mask. I I guess they didn't have a lot to do down there at that time. And then in 2009, another guy claimed that he was actually the guy that threw a car tire at the group of people. But this is the fun part. So this is a, excuse me, this is pretty much um, 100% a hoax. You know, it was a prank. It was a good one, 1969, good times. But there is one self, self-proclaimed cryptozoologist, uh, and I, I neglected to put his name down, but he says that he believes the Lake Worth monster is actually an undiscovered primate species that walks on two legs. So this guy is absolutely bought in. So y'all do your research on that one. Let me know. So another cryptid here in Texas is called the Ozark Howler. I couldn't find a whole lot of information on this, but I wanted to share it with you. So I mentioned it a little earlier, um, the Ozark Howler, um, but this is mostly in East Texas. So you get the big trees and all that kind of stuff, but it's pretty much the cat-like cousin of our good buddy, the Wampus Cat. Um, But it's more descriptive, and this is what I really like. So Wampus Cat, kind of all over the place as far as description, And this one, the Ozark Howler, was very specific. It is a large cat, the size of a bear, and sometimes has horns. Although some people say it's not really horns. It's just very pointy ears like a lynx. You know, the the northern cousin of the bobcat that has kind of the pointy tufts on the ears. So, you know, that makes sense, I guess. I mean, if you're scared to death out in the woods and you run across an Ozark Howler, you're probably not... uh, Uh, of clear mind anyway. So however, it's said to not be aggressive, even though it would be one of Texas's largest land-based cryptids. So I guess that's good. So if you run across an Ozark Howler, you'll probably poop your pants, but then you'll remember that they're not aggressive and uh, it's just pretty chill. This one here, I think is uh, probably the, the funnest one of the five cryptids that I found specific to Texas, the Houston Batman. Because, you know, why not? I mean, Gotham, Gotham has the Batman. You know, why can't Houston have one too? Absolutely. By God, we we need a Houston Batman. So the big exception is this bat, this Batman, Bat, B-A-T, not B-A-D, Batman, wasn't really a do-gooder. So I guess maybe he was a Batman. Um, He wasn't really a do-gooder trying to clean up the streets of 1950s Houston. Oh, nay, nay. This Batman was said to have assault, assaulted several people and was described as being over six feet tall 
with enormous black wings and had a heavy leather outfit like a paratrooper and emitted a bright radioactive glow. However, whether he could fly or not was apparently a bit of a debate. So there's a couple of things that stand out to me. Obviously, I mean, they're describing a leather outfit like a paratrooper, you know, in the 1950s. We're just coming out of World War II. Um, He had large black wings, um, but then he emitted a bright radioactive glow. What were we terrified of? Yeah, nuclear bombs. And, uh, you know, and and it just made everything glow. So why not? We just throw that in there and, you know, Lord have mercy. Hopefully the cryptids don't get a hold of our radioactive material because then we're all in big trouble. So those are some of the cryptids here in Texas. And as you can probably tell, I think cryptozoology uh, can kind of be fun. You know, most, most cryptozoologies or cryptids, sorry, fall in legends and lore. Um, and they're often there to explain things that were unexplainable at the time. I mean, you got to think about some of the diseases. I mean, elephantitis is the first thing that pops into mind. Well, I mean, elephantitis or, uh, oh, I forget the medical term for it, but people that have what they used to call a hair lip, you know, how do you describe that? We didn't have the science and everything to describe that hundreds of years ago. So, you know, we must explain it the best way we can. And that's where a lot of these legends and lore come from. But I just want to throw out and say there, there are a few cryptids worldwide that actually turned out to be, well, I mean, they're real. And so this is fun. So y'all stick with me a little longer. We've already done the whole Texas thing and the cryptids in Texas, but Komodo dragons. I mean, everybody knows about Komodo dragons. And they were considered outlandish. Absolutely, all the people that were exploring Indonesia had heard about this and they thought, oh, these are just the the tribal people or the local people that are trying to scare us off. But in 1910, a guy named Lieutenant uh, Lieutenant Stein van Hansbroek of the Dutch Colonial Administration stationed in the Flores Island in eastern Indonesia caught one and killed it. I mean, because that's what we did back in the early 1900s. Oh, that looks cool. That must be a species no one knows about. Let's shoot it. And, and really, I guess that was about the best way to try to do things. But anyway, the he caught and killed one. And so the locals described these as giant lizards or land crocodiles, which I think is kind of cool. So the the funny thing is, though, and this this is what I just find fascinating. So after that one is caught and killed, and apparently he gets the kumbaya from the world science, whoever at that point, they send some more people down there and they catch several more live Komodo dragons and they're put on display in the Bronx zoo. Cause apparently the Bronx zoo was like the zoo back in the day, but it inspired an author by the name of Marion C. Cooper to write a book in 1933 called anyone out there know, raise your hand. I know that some of y'all just raise your hand. That's funny. Um, yeah, she wrote, or he, he or she, I'm not sure. Marion C. Cooper wrote a book in 1933 called King Kong, <laughs> which the whole idea is just these overly large outlandish animals. So the next one, the platypus. The platypus is another one that was so unbelievable until somebody caught one. And they are strange. I mean, don't get me wrong. 
the platypus, absolutely weird. It's, it's, I think it's the only mammal that has like a poison gland. Um, you know, so like they're pretty deadly, but I mean, they were described as being, uh, part duck, part beaver, part otter or all three. Um, which I mean, again, if you were a pretty early explorer, I mean, you kind of go, what the heck is that? You write it down in your book and I mean, nobody can see it. So they're going to make fun of you. You were, you were the dumb kid in class, you know? And so uh, these animals were actually considered a hoax until 1798, several hundred years. Uh, another one is the Okapi uh, in Africa. They're also known as the forest giraffe. And it's kind of a blend of a zebra, donkey, deer, and antelope. Um, they look a whole lot more kind of like a deer, horse, zebra thing than anything. But genetically speaking, they're, they're, their closest genetic link is a giraffe, which is kind of interesting. So it, of course, was known to the people of Africa for eons. I mean, as long as there have been people in Africa, but they were rarely seen and they were hard to find. And so it wasn't until 1901 when a British museum curator um, got one and then, I guess, you know, officially got the Kumbaya from, uh, from the higher-ups and said, yep, it's an official animal. Very cool. Good job. Good job, old chop. Um, gorillas and mountain gorillas were once considered cryptids, but they weren't officially deemed real until 1847. I feel like gorillas and mountain gorillas would have been, you know, official way before then, but yeah, 1847. Uh, another one, giant squids were considered cryptids until, get this, until 2004. Guys, that was less than 20 years ago. Giant squids were considered cryptids. I mean, the old saying is that we know more about the surface of the moon than we do our own ocean. And that could be very true. But yeah, 2004, some Japanese fishermen got some pictures of one. And then again in 2006, where they caught a live 24 foot long female. Dude, that has got to be terrifying. You're out on a boat and this 24 foot giant squid comes up out of the water like, good Lord. But when you think about it, you know, they are deep sea creatures and they're, they're rarely seen. Um, things, things would wash up on shore and they would, they kind of suspected that maybe a giant squid was out there, but until you see one, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of hard to fathom. And so, uh, but it makes me think if you guys watch Pirates of the Caribbean, it makes me think of the Kraken and that myth and lore and legend. Um, it is actually believe that maybe that was actually a giant squid, much, much bigger than one that we ever knew. All right. And our very last one is a fun one. At least I think so. It's last but not least. And this is the kangaroo. So the kangaroo has an interesting story. It's first description. So the first description of a kangaroo comes from this caballero named Amerigo Vespucci. Do any of y'all know why Amerigo Vespucci is kind of important? Let's you think for just a second. So Amerigo Vespucci was a map maker and explorer. And so he got kind of famous for that. And so he claimed that he came to the new world, although it's, I guess he never really did. Um, but it stuck enough and people believed it enough that they actually named America after Amerigo Vespucci. So anyway, 
Uh, Amerigo Vespucci, he's traveling around Australia, exploring in 1499. So he goes around the coast of Australia and he described this, this animal as having the head of a fox, hands of a man, tail of a monkey, and a bag to carry its young. Now for us now, I mean, we know all about kangaroos. There's probably a kangaroo research website or multiple out there. We know all about them. Everybody loves them. Who doesn't love a kangaroo? But you got to think, back in the day, I mean, a head of a fox, hands of a man, tail of a monkey, a uh, bag to carry its young. Dude, you've been on the ship too long. You must have drank some of that salt water. Got some bad food. So in any way, uh, you know, we bump forward another 130 years or so to 1629, where a guy actually catches one. And he's taking it back to Britain, presumably. It didn't really say, but I assume it was Britain because they were kind of the big explorers. But this kangaroo doesn't make the voyage. And so, you know, it dies and it's dismissed again as a hoax because it's, you know, by the time they get back to have it looked at, it's literally just skin and bones. Well, it must be a hoax. And so it wasn't until 1770 on Captain Cook's voyage that they were able to confirm the existence of the kangaroo. And the kangaroo moves from myth legend lore um, moves away from being a cryptid to actually being a real animal. So there you go. Um, you know, kangaroo, giant squids, gorillas, okapi, platypus, Komodo dragons, all real, but they were once on the cryptid list. And so you never know the Houston Batman, the Ozark howler, the Lake worth monster, chupacabra, the wampus cat, and of course, everybody's favorite Bigfoot, Sasquatch. You never know. We may actually uh, may actually find one someday. So it's very cool. If you ever check out cryptozoology, there actually are quite a few more that were considered extinct. Uh, one is a fish called the coelacanth that was considered extinct, I think, up until the 50s or 60s where they caught another one. Anyway, lots of cool stuff. Get in, do your research, but I love cryptozoology too because it has to do with myth, legend, and lore, of course. So there you go, folks. Um, I'm your host, Michael Mitchell. This was put together by me. This is Once Upon a Time in Texas, sponsored by uh, me, Miracle Mortgage. And uh, you can find me at themichaelmitchell.com. So y'all have a great day and remember... The stars at night are big and bright, deep in the heart of Texas. Y'all have a great day.